Good morning, guys. This is lefty pitcher David Huff, 39th pick overall and 11-game winner as a rookie in 2009 with Cleveland Indians and owner of a 333 batting average in 2014. And you're listening to Selby is Godcast with TJ and Zach. Pleasure, guys. You're listening to the Selby is Godcast with Zach Meisel and TJ Zupi. Subscribe to Selby is Godcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Unbelievable. Welcome to a new edition of the Selby is Godcast. I'm TJ. That's Zach. He's on location. Thank you for taking time out of your busy Arizona schedule to join the show, Zach. Now that you're here, you've been on the, the premises for a little over 24 hours. You have to have all the answers. You know what's going to happen at shortstop, at second base, center field. The fate of the manager and how well he's going to do. You should know everything based on the interactions you've had. So we can just begin with th- the breaking news of the moment. Rob Manfred announcing that he's going to step away in 2029. How many farewell gifts is he trying to get? 2029? A five-year exit plan? Do we really need that? 2020 what please please enlighten me on why you would need to announce that you're going to leave five years from now (laughs) i'd also like to announce that i plan to retire in 2060 i've decided that i'm that's it (laughs) so anytime you see me between now and then please shower me with gifts no guitars though no no we don't need any guitars i mean what i'm i was trying to picture this it's like announcing that you're going to leave a party in three hours. Hey, I just want to let everybody know I'm going to be out of here at about uh, 1230. Uh, it's 930 now. It's <laughs> like, the anti-Irish goodbye. <laughs> it's like the Irish doing? hello. <laughs> you, you have a, a kid now and you'll you'll do this, in, I think, in the future. I do this with my two kids where you you let them know. Like you, you tell them, "Hey, bedtime is coming up in thirty minutes." So there's no, they're still going to be a surprise when the thirty minutes arrives. But you've you've done a little bit. Hey, ten minutes, ten minute warning. Get everything you're doing on Roblox wrapped up because we need to go get our shower and in bed. Is that what this is? Is he just preparing us? <laughs> so can like when I saw that tweet from was it Passon? When I saw that tweet, I thought, "Oh, Rob Manfred announces he." And I went to the end, like I had to read it three times to make sure I was understanding that properly. Yeah, how different will the sport look like by then? 32 teams, realignment, Oakland, where will they be playing? How many different cities will they have called home by then? I don't know. Don't, why, do we have to start with this? Because this is just going to no. take me down the path of it was a, all the things that are wrong joke. with baseball that hopefully won't be wrong with baseball in 2029. It was a joke. We don't have to spend any more time on it. We've already spent too much time on it. I'm sorry. I, I had to get something out because I'm annoyed because of my camera's broken. I'm Look look at me. I look awful in this camera. If you're watching on YouTube, you think, what, what is wrong with DJ? He looks sick. <laughs> like, my cat broke my camera. I'm just in a bad mood. So I was, I was hoping I could just unload some of that on a guy that nobody really likes. Uh, I will bring positivity to 24, but it ain't going to be pointed in the direction of Rob Manfred. So 
Hey, it's spring training. It's 70 degrees and sunny in Arizona. Hope springs eternal. All that stuff. You're supposed to be positive. All, Where's Mr. Positivity? All that stuff. Went out the window when I looked like a cherry on the video. All right, so I, I mean it. You've been on the premises now, so you should have all the answers. You should have all the takeaways. You should have all the insights. So let me step away. This is the Zach Meisel Show now. You know what's interesting? I suspected this was going to happen, and it's certainly no fault of his own. But I think, I think it's going to be a while before you can really get anything interesting from the new manager when it comes to the roster, any individual players, because he doesn't know these guys. And he took a crash course this winter on the Guardians' processes and their roster dilemmas and their farm system and everyone on the 40-man roster, certainly. And he studied video and learned about the skill sets and met with his other coaches. But you still need visual evidence to pair with all of the notes you've taken. And, like, I understand if if he wants to wait until he sees Arias and Rocchio and Freeman in action before he tells us what he really thinks about these guys. And so it's interesting listening to him talk and, you know, the the crowded competitions, the auditions they're holding. To him, it's there are great problems to have. Of course, he's going to be optimistic and have a sunny outlook. And he's 39 years old. He just got done playing. Everything's great. And then you hear Chris Antonetti kind of tackle the same topics. And while he is going to echo a lot of that same sentiment, there's also the added context of how they got here. And this is something you and I have been talking about for months is where are they? Are they contending? Are they resetting? Are they sort of caught in between? I think that's the answer. But how did they get to this point? And it's one thing like eventually the the old oil were the youngest team in baseball. Like eventually that gets tired because you're not supposed to be the youngest team in baseball year after year after year. Uh, if you want to be a good team, you need some players who are going to get older and better. And instead, this team's sort of where they were in 2021, but they all they do have like a talented pitching staff. So it's it's really strange. And, and listening to Chris Antonetti talk about the mistakes they've made in some evaluations that have really come back to bite them and explain why they're in this spot. And it's not one thing. I mean, it's it is spending and, and free agency and being scared off by what happened last year. And and certainly, you know, some of them, just the, the missteps and the payroll and all that stuff plays into this. But it's very interesting listening to a brand new manager talk about that and then listening to a front office that typically is optimistic and not going to tip their hand too much. But in this instance, provide some legitimate context that is self-critical. That explains how they got here because it's it, it's an interesting camp. You have interesting competitions and there are a lot of intriguing players on the roster that I'm excited to to watch. And at the same time, it's like, well, this was you're supposed to have this figured out by now. Why, why is shortstop still a conundrum? Why is the outfield still lacking in answers? Why is the power department still lacking and wasn't addressed this winter? So it's. <laughs> I, I hate it. the word interesting is so 
basic, but like there it's it's a really interesting spring, I think, for all of those reasons. And and I think it was it was really eye-opening listening to vote and Antonetti answer the same questions with slightly different perspectives. How surreal was that? A new manager approaching it for the first time in a spring training session. We're so we're so used to hearing Tito in these, and we they're entirely predictable. And unless there was some some pertinent news that we weren't sure of, you knew how these things were going to go. So how was a Stephen Vote conference different than the Terry Francona one? Was there still levity involved? Was there still stories involved? Or was it all just meat and potatoes this very first time? That's what I mean, like a lot of meat and potatoes. And I think that's going to be the case for a little while. And he's still feeling out how this works. You know, Tito in the spring, he'd meet with the media the questions would end after 20, 25 minutes, and then he wouldn't want to get up. And he'd want to talk basketball, football, politics, food, literally anything. <laughs> but you know why? It's be- not really because he enjoyed the media. It's because he was getting so old that he really could not get up. <laughs> he didn't want to expel the energy to get out of that chair. And after about 20 minutes Thursday, Vote was ready to go watch the action on the field. Bieber's throwing, McKenzie's throwing, Bybee's throwing. He wants to be out there. So I get it. It, it is a different thing. And, and I think you go from being a player where you talk to reporters a couple times a week. You know, you talk to them if you do something really well. Once he established himself as a, a leader and a clubhouse guy and a, a guy, if you're a reporter, you want to talk to, maybe that happens more frequently. Now in the spring, it's once or twice a day. During the season, it's twice a day. That takes some getting used to. And there's a lot of things he's getting used to. Talking to all of his coaches and watching how everything operates in spring training. Who's on what field at what time and what are they doing and who's next. And, you know, meeting with every single player for individual expectation setting. So there's a lot of firsts, um, and I think once he gets comfortable, the personality will shine more. But he's still trying to figure out what kind of manager he wants to be, what's important to him, what values he has. I asked him, like, do you have preferences in mind? Like, do you want an eight-man bullpen? Do you want uh, two utility guys? Do you want like, do you have? Is there anything you've settled on that you're like, all right, this is important to me, and it's it's even too early for that kind of stuff. So there's gonna be. There was always a valuation in spring. That's what these six weeks are about. I think there's more evaluation than ever because the people doing the evaluating are still figuring out how they want to evaluate. So it's it's an interesting spring. Just because you hate saying it doesn't make it any less true. I mean, we joked about it that you could, and it starts with the manager, but you could just spin a wheel and find something interesting about any player it landed on outside of Jose Ramirez but even Jose it's like getting to the point in his career you're wondering can he continue to be the MVP level player every single year and for this team to have a shot at the division he's got to stay pretty damn close to that on top of hoping some other these these younger players that you would hope are getting older because they're on the team and they're keeping their place on the team so that you're no longer one of the youngest teams in baseball 
because they've established themselves. If you continue to be the youngest team in baseball, as you said, it's because you keep turning things over to guys that are younger because the guys that were here weren't good enough to hold on to their spots. Now, hopefully that can, I hate to say begin because it should have begun already, but hopefully that can, that process can start more, uh, more concrete in this spring based on that middle infield and what they're going to do at that spot. And God, we kicked that around for really the entire winter. What are the, who's going to start at shortstop? Who gets the first opportunity? And yeah, I think a lot of this is overblown by us right now because as much as you hate me saying it, I think it is going to work itself out to some degree as far as who's getting the playing time. But still, it's it's one of the most important stories because it's so it connects to so many other different places on the roster. If Arias is is the guy, then Rokio, do you keep both of them on the roster? Does Rokio go back down to the minor leagues? That opens up another spot on the roster. Is that for an outfielder? Is that for Brennan? What's going on in center field? So many of these things can be linked to what they decide to do with that shortstop spot. And that also is including your platinum gold glove winning second baseman, Andre Jimenez. Is he going to stay there? It's all linked to what you're going to decide to do with that shortstop spot. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think, the main storyline, right? Can McKenzie and Bieber anchor the rotation, therefore the rotation being elite, and that probably fueling the club to AL Central contention? That's a storyline that matters. Uh, aside from that, I mean, I, I really think shortstop in the outfield, like those are the two things we're going to talk about probably every week on this podcast until opening day. And then after that, but nothing's changed. I mean, they've position players haven't even technically started their scheduled workouts. Pretty much everybody's here. They've been here. They've been hitting. They've been pitching. But it's not like anything anyone has done this week has changed decision-making. And the main part is you can say a reporter, right? Whatever you want. Like there is no reason for the team to have settled on anything yet. We said it weeks ago. Like I think organizationally you would put Arias in the, as, as the clubhouse leader for the shortstop job. But a lot of that is because he has the shortest leash remaining because you've seen the most of him. He got a lot of run last year. You saw some good things. You saw some bad things. And you just have the least amount of patience with him because you've seen him. He's had opportunities. So it would make sense that he's your opening day shortstop and Jimenez is at second base and you go from there. That's the easiest order of operations. That doesn't mean that that's going to happen. And if you declare that to the group on February 15th, there's no benefit to that. You might as well let all these guys be hungry, go out and compete, and see where the card, like see where things are in a month, in five weeks, and then make your decisions. That's what they're going to do. And I think a big part of this that we have alluded to is you have new eyes on these guys. You have new perspectives. So you might think, hey, Arias is the shortstop, and you know, Loriano and Floreal are in the outfield, but you're also getting guys who haven't seen Arias. Steven Vogt, Craig Albernaz, the new assistant hitting coach, Dan Puente. Like these guys haven't seen Brennan, 
Arius, Valera, Rokio, Freeman. So you get fresh perspectives that can shape the decisions you eventually make. So we can sit here and say like, yeah, if the season started today, it's probably Arias at shortstop. But I also know they've talked to Andre Semenez just about, hey, potentially down the line, if you have to move to shortstop, like we'll continue talking about this. But Stephen Vogt said it today. He's the second baseman. And makes him a little uneasy thinking about moving a platinum glove winner off the position they won the platinum glove at. So, yeah, can Juan Brito make them rethink that? Of course. But there's a domino effect. There's an order of operations here. And until something disrupts that, they're going to follow that. So they're just we don't have anything to go off of yet. So there's no reason to like declare this is how it's going to be. You can guess. That would be my guess. But again, a lot can and will happen over the next six weeks. So there's there's no point. Like even Tito would say, like, why am I writing out my lineup on February 15th? Hoinsey would always ask that. I can't wait to hear what Stephen Vogt's going to say when Hoinsey <laughs> asks that at some point next week. God, we got to get the bingo card for, for voting. We got to figure out what are going to be the votisms here because we're not familiar with that yet. Got to talk to some friends out in Oakland and have talked to him a lot. What, what are the go-tos? What are the sayings? So we can disarm him and, and say the things before he says it so it's not part of the answer. You know, I, the order of operations, yes, you line it up in your head that way because you need a starting point. You need a, some sort of game plan. Otherwise, it's total chaos. But that said, I think they really should approach this with as close to a blank slate as you can. Now, I, I'm not suggesting just look sort the OPS at the end of spring and hand out the jobs that way. But if a guy really impresses you, if one Brito really impresses you, my God, why? Just because Arias is higher entering camp, why does that have to alter your plans? If if Brito impresses you enough, then I don't think you should focus too much on what what's going to happen to these other guys. Go with the guys that are, are proving that they should be in that spot. And I, I think a lot would have to happen for Brito to get to that spot. But my my overall point is just let kind of let the play and how they're approaching their off-field stuff that we don't always have eyes on, let that dictate who should get those first opportunities instead of just going just by, well, this is what my pad of paper says we need to do, so stick with that. Yeah, I mean, the guy who gets lost in the shuffle is Tyler Freeman. It's so much is made of Arias versus Rocchio, and there's another guy sitting there who was, hey, I used to be a top 50 prospect not too long ago, and I haven't really had consistent opportunities in the majors, and I, I tried to get stronger over the offseason and hit the ball harder. We'll see if it works, but am I going to get enough opportunities to see if it works? And this leads to a bigger discussion, mm. and I'm I'm writing about this too, but when we talk about how did they get here, and philosophically, what did they learn from their mistakes the past couple of years? We can harp on the Nolan Jones and Will Benson and Yiner Diaz and Junior Caminero and and that bunch. And it's it's easy to just point to those names and say, you screwed up. How do you make sure you don't do it again? Because it seemed unchar- uncharacteristic for this front office to, to make blunders like that, so many in a short span. And I asked Antonetti that. He said, 
know, I think the one thing they learned, and it sort of ties into the the swings and misses with Zanino and Josh Bell, is they feel like they need to be more patient with their young players. And that's it's interesting to me because it's fine to say that. But how the heck are you going to be patient with Arias and Rocchio and Freeman and Florial and Brennan right. and Valera yeah. and Rodriguez? <laughs> Angel Martinez yeah. and Jose Tena, Brito, they're like, well, are we part of this? <laughs> the sad thing is no one could have seen this coming. No one could have forecasted that something like this would happen ever to think ahead and say, maybe we should trade a couple of these guys while they still have a bigger trade value than they do if they make the major leagues and don't amount to anything more than just a maybe a utility guy. Freeman is so interesting. And I, I had prepared to take this in a different direction, but you reminded me of a point that I wanted to raise a couple of weeks ago about Freeman. If you're looking at just the projections for whatever you want those to mean to you, Freeman's the guy across the board that has more favorable projections entering the year. I mean, if you're looking at the bat X and the bat, they're both at 106 and 103, respectively. Okay, well, those are the only projections of all of these guys that we're legitimately talking about getting at bats at the beginning of the season. He's the only one that's not just a little bit above 100, but safely above 100. Steamer has him at a 107 WRC plus in the projections. And Zips is at 91. I think that's that's it so far. So all of them, at least painting a picture of Freeman being capable enough that he wouldn't totally embarrass you if you gave him playing time compared to Arias, who's kind of between 95 all the way down to like the low 80s and Rokio kind of in a similar mold, maybe a little bit more favorable because he's got more youth. But the, 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 the thing is, Freeman, we do overlook him. Maybe because he's, he doesn't profile as the shortstop that the other two do. But if we're just talking about what bat projects to be the best in 2024, it's actually Tyler Freeman at this very point in time. I just, I, you can sell me on really any of these guys. That's what's crazy is is they all have, like with Arias, it's, I'm pretty sure, I think he was nine for 108 with 54 strikeouts against lefties last year. Like that's, that's like terrible pitcher hitting in the National League stats, that should be, like, he can't get worse. You could convince me that Arias will be better in 2024. You could convince me that Rokio is a legitimate major leaguer. You can convince me that Brito can hit enough in the bigs and has the plate discipline to be a pretty solid major leaguer. You can convince me that Tyler Freeman can hit because it's all he's ever done. I just don't know how you get to your answer. Because I'm guessing of those four players, if all four were in different on different rosters and they all got 600 plate appearances, you're not going to hit on all four. So maybe you hit on two, maybe three. But does their order of operations allow them to hit? You know, or if Arius, what if Arius just thrives? What are you doing with the other guys? Keep one as your utility guy. Yeah. Let Rokio waste away in AAA forever. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that in, in, on one hand they've they've they were aggressive and tried to get out in front where they had a crowd in the outfield, 
and they traded Jones and they traded Benson and they backfired. And then with the infielders, they've been too patient and maybe they should have made those sorts of Benson and Jones moves and they didn't. And now they're stuck with all these guys. It's like they, they went over two. But still, they're all young. It's not like any of them have been here for a couple. Of, like, I would say not a single middle infielder that we've seen so far, we've talked about, has gotten any longevity to say they've proven to us what they are. There's not a single one of these yet. Arias, there's still some hope of some ceiling that he can scratch. And, you know, whatever you want to make of his winter, coming off of an injury with the wrist uh, or the hand, I, I, I don't know. I, to me, it's just about, is he healthy? Is he a healthy entering camp? Because I know he's a great defender, and he's got some capability. When he hits the ball, he can hit the ball hard like a monster. But is he good enough at being able to seek out the pitches to be able to hit those balls consistently? I, I don't know yet. So he in any of these situations, if they were all, as you said, on different teams, when they all get a longer leash to show what they are, but because they're all here in the same organization, it's like, we got to go through these really quickly. That's not even fair. I mean, even to the players, they all need at least a little bit of time to figure out what the hell kind of player they're going to be at the major league level. And it's tough that you're going to be figuring this stuff out that quickly. That's why I think it's more the, the favorable outcome is, yeah, let's say Arias is the guy that takes off. Okay, what are you going to do with these other guys? But still, that's fine. I'll figure it out because one of them is thriving. What happens if one of them is just fine? And we pointed to this at, at one point over the winter. What if Arius is that guy where it's like he's, he's got like a 92 WRC plus and he's playing great shortstop. At what point do you say that's not good enough or I want to see if Rokio is better than that? You know, what's that line? Because we, I know the, the, the negative line is like if he's hovering around an 80, then you're like, yeah, of course. But I'm, when he's just on that line of kind of good enough, but I, I want to see more, how does the organization handle that? That's a good question. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I mean, obviously, it depends on whoever's next in line. How are they performing? And is it? do you just go straight to Rokio? Like, for someone in Freeman's position, let's say he's the utility guy. Jose's playing six or seven days a week. Jimenez is playing seven days a week. I don't know that Freeman fits at first base, especially when you have Naylor plus De Los Santos or Manzardo or Fry. Getting Freeman at bats seems like, I mean, maybe he plays like twice a week. Um, we know he plays Sundays. 
But what if he's hitting well? At what point do you, if Arias is doing what you said, do you just give Freeman more opportunities and Arias fewer? And then how well does Rokio have to perform at AAA to, to enter the fray? I, and what's what's the timeline on Brito? Like, if you're asking Jimenez to shift positions midseason, is it just like a random Tuesday where you're like, hey, bud, go check the lineup card. Looks a little different today. You're a shortstop now. Like, I, I, it's really tricky. And, and I don't... I don't know what the... Like, even if I were... We can criticize how they got here. We can criticize how they approach this. I don't know what I would do if I were them. Well, I don't have to make that determination, so I can sit here and just sit, sit back and criticize when it goes wrong. That's what makes our job easier. But trying to put myself in their shoes, yeah, I, I think I think there is a scenario here where it's going to be impossible to figure out what you're going to do with them all. What's the most likely outcome here? Is as I said at the beginning, it's gonna it's gonna work itself out to the degree of you'll you'll know. You'll know when you get there. You'll know that who's Manning's shortstop right now is not good enough and who's in the minor leagues is worth that shot to see if they can flip. You'll you'll have a better understanding of that. But there is a scenario where one is just okay enough. And that that's that's the nightmare. You're you're hoping for the A or F scenario, right? You're hoping for that they're they're clearly proving themselves to be the guy, or that it's a complete flop, and then you're on to the next guy. The nightmare is when they're just adequate enough to hold the spot. Yeah, two things. One, remember, Jose Ramirez was that F for a couple years. Then he became the A. So, it's tough. You can't really write anyone off this year. It's not like Rokio was up for 86 plate appearances last year. It's not like they were all in a row. Freeman... It was so just sporadic, his playing time. The other thing is, you're right. This will work itself out. I would bet that one of these four guys can play, and they'll get to that point eventually. I do think it's more... It feels more critical because you've spent so much energy on that position. You stockpiled all these prospects that you better hit on somebody and you better hit on somebody because the outfield is such a mess. So it feels like you have to get at least league average production out of your shortstop plus great defense. Because I think you just, you need, you need a high floor there because I think the, the outfield is going to be, I mean, it, <laughs> the range of potential outcomes there is, really wide and skewing toward the not so great. So I think you need something out of shortstop. Yeah. They're not in a, a place here where they can have too many total black holes on offense. Now, great that I don't consider catcher to be that anymore. Thank God. And Naylor, if nothing else, I've, I feel confident in being somewhere around league average. And I'm hoping clearly for more based on what we saw at the end of last year. So that feels great. Maybe you can lift center field from the depths of hell that it's been the last couple of years, and we'll get to that coming up. But is you you want to have an offense that's a little bit above league average, but if you're having league average at every spot and then you're putting your 
you're putting a lot of pressure on, hey, Jose, you got to be like a 145 this year, 150 again. Josh Naylor, we better hope that what you did last year was you. Because, of course, then that lifts the entire ship of the offense and, and the numbers. I want to ask you, Rokio, do you feel like there's um, it almost feels like a swelling of support again for Rokio? Some of it maybe because his name has appeared on some top 100 lists again. Locally, I mean, even for me, not that I thought he was a flop or was ready to write him off or anything like that, but this is also a guy a couple of years ago that I thought was pretty close to being an untouchable in your system. I, I didn't feel that anymore. But even for me, I felt like Arius and Rokio were pretty close in my mind. I was going to give both of them a chance to separate themselves, but it does feel like there's just a little bit more support building for Rokio, and I can't tell if it's just because he had the better winter, if it's because of being on some top 100 list. Does it matter at all? Is the team going to pay attention to that? i got to imagine they won't, but... It's weird. You know, he popped up at number 13 on Keith Law's top 100, and... I think the thing with him is he maybe raised his floor in 2023. Increased his walk rate. Really improved his strikeout rate. The question for me is, is he going to hit the ball hard enough consistently to be an impactful hitter? Again, we're, we're wondering if any of these shortstops, they all could be fine but you've spent so much time developing them and cultivating like this is your MO draft college pitchers who have good command and you make them great. You sign international shortstops and you develop them and develop them and develop them. And then they sputter around triple a major league level. Like we don't know yet. So I think he improved his floor because he proved he's going to make a ton of contact. And that's good. We've seen where that can help with guardian sitters. We've seen where that almost can be a detriment if it's a ton of weak contact or you're chasing a lot and making contact and, you know, that doesn't benefit you. So the question is, while he's making a ton of contact, is he driving doubles into the gap? Can he hit 15 home runs? If he can do those things, and with the contact he makes, if he's making sound plate decision, swing decisions, like could he be a guy who hits 290 with a 360 on base percentage and a 440 OPS, like, or a slugging percentage? Like, you'd take that because he's going to play good defense. So I just, the, the question is, did he sacrifice anything last season? Like, that's what I don't know. And we've seen two very different seasons from him in the minors the last two years. So I don't know what's going to emerge. Um, he's young and he just needs opportunities. That that's, that's the main thing with these guys too, is like Freeman was top 50. Arias was top 100 or close to it. Really well regarded. Brito. I think he's like cracked a couple top 100 lists and, you know, he certainly gets mentioned like talent is there. I just don't know. It's it's easy to sort of lose sight of that, right? Like Floreal is a good example too, because he was, he had all the tools. He was top 50, but it's been five years and he got opportunities, but he had 140 plate appearances spread out over four seasons. They were bad. 
They were very bad. And there are major questions about his swing. But don't you have to have more patience? Isn't that what the Guardians have said that they've learned through all of this over the last 18 months? Is that they need more patience. They need to give these guys more of a runway to get off the ground. And if you don't do that, you never really know. I mean, they spent so much time with Will Benson helping him make swing changes. Remember, he went through it, man. He struggled at new levels. He was playing in the Constellation Energy League in Texas during the pandemic just to get some work in. And then it clicks. And he has that great breakout minor league season where the strikeout rate came down. The walks were great. He's hitting for power, stealing bases, like the total package. They spent all this time working with him. He makes it to the major leagues. He's, he, he's, you can see how he could be part of something moving forward. But because of the roster crunch, they bailed on him before spring training. And he blossomed in Cincinnati where he was in a role within a platoon, doing putting being put in a position to succeed and being given chances. They need to find a way to do that. The problem is they have so many guys they want to do that with. That's what I'm saying. In an ideal world, you'd give them all. Shortstop for 140 games. Here we go. Can't do it. Even, you know, you mentioned Benson. and it's, We said the same thing. It'd be great to see a world where he just goes and plays for you the entire season. And it just didn't feel like it was going to come here in Cleveland. And that's why... They obviously parted with him. Everybody that is on this list that has expanded over the years of guys that have gotten away, and it has always felt like it's not a giant ooh, swing change, different approach, landed with a new organization, they've unlocked some new hitting philosophy. Maybe there's a small part of that, but every single one of those guys, it was just about they got a chance to let to figure out what they were going to be at the level. No matter how they got there, they just got the opportunity and they finally made the most of it. And for a team that has to rely so much on young players, it's amazing that they have so many young players that are like just good enough to force the other guy out when he's not there immediately. (laughs) If this was a bad team and you just were stuck playing some of these players that have gone elsewhere, you might have found some good answers. But because the team is like always teetering on contention and the pitching staff is always pretty good. You're always on that level of we might win this division. So we got to, we got to hurry up and make a choice. And if that's not the guy and we don't know it in the first hundred plate appearances, guess what? We got another guy that might be similar. So we just got to move on to him. And that's, it's part of why I just, I didn't want any of these, these veterans standing in the way this spring because just, Give them the chances. Give them the opportunities. Man, if you go down and your team stinks this year, but it's because you just got out of the way of the young players and you let them all play, that's a lot easier for me to swallow than if you had brought in more Josh Bell types and Eddie Rosario types and guys that are just like, okay, maybe fine. Great. And I asked about that too because the TV deal settled now. You know, they're going to get the majority of the money they were hoping to get in the first place. So to use that as a crutch for, well, we can't spend because we don't know if we're going to have a TV deal. And you did. You didn't know exactly how much you'd get, but it's close to what you would have gotten. But 
I can criticize the payroll and the lack of spending to supplement a roster that at least has the pitching figured out and has some core pieces of the lineup figured out. At the same time, I can agree with you and say it makes more sense for this team right now to play a lot of these young kids that they have and not play Tommy Pham or Adam Duvall. Hard to argue against like Jorge Soler, Teoscar Hurt, like those guys who would be clear upgrades over Ramon Laureano and Will Brennan or Jonathan Rodriguez, but like... It's not reality. Yeah. It's... They're in a weird spot. No, uh, it's... They have the number one pick. And it's a pretty safe bet that whoever they take will be a top 100 prospect pretty quick and will eventually, down the line, get a long runway. And there will be no questions about, you know, almost like with Matt Laporta. Like, he got to exhaust every opportunity. So will whoever they take number one. So, it helps. I mean, there's a lot of comparisons we can make to the Orioles. Who had that first season where they emerged out of nowhere. And then they did use it as a springboard. Terry Francona said minutes after the Game 5 loss in 2022. Great season. Have to build on it. The Orioles did that. A big reason why they did that is because they lost 110 games every year for so many years. And they stockpiled top picks. And they developed those top picks into really good hitters. So it's a, it's 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 different in how they approached it. But you can see... There is a difference when when you develop hitters to like, I think they can be good versus there's no question that this dude, you know, the Gunnar Hendersons, the Adley, and again, like these are top picks. So it's, it's unfair, but it's, you see the difference in, you know, a sure thing versus a borderline top 100, still have to hope a little bit type player. Well, you've mentioned Florio. He's clearly in the running to get center field opportunities. Probably will play more than just center field, but it's where he seemingly fits the best on this team. Is there a real shot that he's going to be the starting center fielder for this club? I mean, I think you can answer that, right? Can we all? He's out of options. They traded for him knowing he's out of options. They have, they are rarely candid about a player's shortcomings. They have been very candid about Miles Straw's shortcomings the last couple of years. Yeah, I, I think there are three outfielders you can guarantee are going to get regular playing time. Quan, Floreal, and Loriano. How regular? Like, is it seven days a week? Is it four days a week? Depends on if Brennan looks good. Depends on what role makes sense for Straw. Did he tangibly change anything? Do any of those guys like Rodriguez or Valera factor into this at all? Martinez, Freeman, like, can they play the outfield? Mm. Like, there are Burrito, variables here. Even De Los Santos, maybe, can yeah. get some outfield opportunities. But the bottom line is, like, Running it back with Quan Strong, Brennan every day is not the answer. 
And you don't trade for a guy out of options who's 26 years old and has never had an extended look if you're not going to play him at least four or five times a week. And if he can if he can run and get it in center field, you let him because then maybe you can get more offense out of right field. Yeah, that'd be nice for once. I mean, mark this down on the tape somewhere, but how can he be worse than what you've gotten out of center field? I mean, even last, I know you go back two years ago, Straw was a difference maker defensively. But let's let's look at this past year. How can Floriel be significantly worse than what you already had, were getting out of that position? Tell me how that's possible. Unless he's just dropping fly balls and getting picked off first base every other day, I can't imagine it's going to go much worse. So if the upside is there that it could be better, and I feel pretty safe because it was already pretty bad, yeah, I think that's why you absolutely would say he has a shot to go play center field. Regardless of what Straw is making the contract, it's in in the grand scheme of things, it's peanuts. It's not going to stand in the way of what I think this team should do and what they will do if Floreal is proving he should be in the lineup. The only thing that could change that is if nobody is stepping up in right field and they're like, well, I guess we'll just stick with Straw in center field because we feel good about the defense and maybe the, the speed element, the stolen bases return somehow just because he won't be allergic to them this year. But that doesn't seem like the likely scenario. It seems like at least one of the guys can be semi-adequate in right field. Yeah, pretty much everybody in the mix has experience in center. Not that you'd want to play all of them there regularly, but I think alignment doesn't really matter. Find the three guys who will hit. Put them out there. And then fill in the gaps after that. I think the outfield is simpler than the uh, the infield dilemma, but I I think you know we we become so accustomed to like you look at the lineup on the scoreboard, maybe there's a rally going, but you see you're getting toward the bottom of the lineup, and for years it was hedges, it was straw, and you knew there was just that's your rally killer, and Florial could be terrible. He could strike out a ton. He could just never tap into the power. But you're right. They were already getting that from center field without the hope that there was more in there. And I think now it's just the... Like, pitchers are going to have to pitch to, the, to your center fielder thinking, like, eh, if I make a mistake with this fastball, it might go 450 feet. That was never a thought that crossed the mind of a pitcher the last couple of years. And it's the same thing with at catcher. You know, it's it's like mind-blowing, the idea. I remember when it hit me earlier this offseason, like, oh my God, Cleveland could have a catcher who should be hitting like in the middle of the lineup. Like, could Bo Naylor hit fourth at some point? It sounds illegal to say that because for so long it's been, all right, pencil in, Cleveland's catcher ninth. It's all defense. And if, if they hit a single... Draw a walk, that's a bonus. That's not the case anymore. So I think that can, again, it raises your floor. All these guys have flaws. That's why 
they're projects. That's why you're getting an extended look and it's an audition. But just like being able to be a threat for some power or, or a double, like that, that makes such a difference. And you haven't had that. I mean, even for this team, isn't how you get there, can't that matter? If there's little even separating the total, let's just say in this world that that Miles Straw and, and Esteban Florial would be somewhere close in just total run production. I'll give me the guy that's going to occasionally win a game for you with a three-run home run in the bottom of the your lineup. This team needs that. They need hitters that can do that. That's, isn't that why Delos Santos, they're considering carrying him for the entire season? Because if nothing else, they think this dude has legit power. We like these swing changes and mentality changes that he underwent at the plate last year. So even if he's not playing every single day, he could help us because maybe twice during this year he hits a, a, a bomb that really that either separates us, gives us some breathing room, or maybe even wins the game. And so for that very reason, we'll risk it and we'll take him for the entire year and then hopefully he amounts to something in the future. Yeah, you just want to be in a position where you can put guys in spots where it meshes with their skill set, right? Like, Miles Straw's skill set is not to get 600 plate appearances. And so if you can utilize him as a pinch runner, defensive specialist, start him once a week when you've got your ace on the mound and, I don't know, you want your defense as good as possible, that's what you want. You know, Ramon Laureano probably shouldn't be in the lineup every day against righties. Probably shouldn't be playing center field every day. So can you find an alignment? Can you find enough production so that you don't have to do that? I don't know. But I think there are at least more candidates who can allow you to get to that point this year than you had last year. It looked good a year before. You know, could have had more patience with some of those guys. But they just guessed. They they tied their horse to the to the wrong guys or picked the wrong horses hits hits the wagon to the wrong horse yeah they hitched their horse to the wrong players and now they're in this position (laughs) they got dragged behind them it was good to see now they're in the glue factory (laughs) as much as I can't believe the big off-season addition was Austin Hedges. It was good to see his smiling face and some Guardians gear. Hopefully he's doing that a lot from the bench and not at the bottom of my lineup this year. But also uh, Carlos Carrasco, good to see his face and the Guardians gear. Doesn't even look like, just visually doesn't look like he's missed a beat, except for wearing those those red caps, which I, I kind of like. Kinda li- How do you like sure the jerseys? Goes, I'm not sure it goes with the jerseys, the red hats. That's like, should have been red or it would have had to have been the blue, same blue on the hat. But just standalone, the hats, I thought, looked pretty nice. Does anything go with the jerseys that are paper thin and have the wrong spacing between the <laughs> tiny letters? And it's been the talk of, like, clubhouses across Florida and Arizona all week. Players are not happy. Clubhouse managers, not happy. What's baseball going to do about this? 
Well, that's someone else's problem. And they've 20, got until 29. It'll get fixed. <laughs> yeah, they've got till 29 to figure it out. But still, this time of year, when we spend the entire episode bitching, at least I feel like I do most of the time. But God, it really is great to see guys on on the field hitting the photos that Mandy Bell is doing a, a tremendous job with every single year. It just it, it brings warmth to my soul, to my heart. I love it. It just this time of year, it's so beautiful more than any other sport. I mean, you know, you have your media days with the Cavaliers and you see the photos it, like that doesn't that doesn't bring anything inside of me. I would be like, oh, my God, I can't believe basketball season's on the way. Football doesn't do that at all for me. Baseball, there's something unique about it. I could be so upset about all the moves that they've made or did not make this entire winter, but something about it. I, I, I just get hopeful. I start thinking about that 2020 or more season for Estevan Floriel, or I think about Gabriel Arias unlocking that 25 home run power and doing it consistently with gold glove shortstop defense. Or Brian Rocchio even just stepping up and proving this is why I'm a top 100 prospect. And thinking about the Jose Ramirez finally capturing that elusive MVP now that some dude named Shohei is no longer in this league. Yeah, you're never spending February thinking about what a player won't do, right? It's You get to this time of year and you're thinking best case scenarios for everybody. Everybody's in the best shape of their lives. Ready to have a career year. No one right now is thinking, you know, I just don't think this is going to be my year. This isn't it. Try again in 2025. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> Based on the last couple of days for me, I think that might be me. I don't know. Who came into camp just limping? Who looks like they're in the worst shape? James Karinchak. Shoulder fatigue. Not what you want on February 15th. I'm not ready for injury updates yet. Who will, who will Stephen Vogt be just so annoyed by the end of camp to be, again, we're asking about this guy's injury update. I can't do it anymore. I don't know. For their benefit, hopefully not Mackenzie or Beaver. Yeah, I'm already seeing updates about the Orioles. And it's like, uh, I'm not ready for that. Let's keep, mm-hmm. let's keep the good vibes for as long as possible. Because they're not going to last forever. You don't know that. You're banking on them lasting through 2024, Mr. Positivity. Uh, I don't know. I'm just looking at... I, every day I'll look at those Zips projected standings. It's making me feel better every single day. Just don't look at the spacing between the letters and vote on the back of his jersey. That won't make you feel good. I'll try not to. Keep my eyes closed. Later, everybody.